This episode of Tour Denver is brought to you in collaboration with Sunrise Robot. Be sure to visit sunriserobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture. Tour Denver is a storytelling event created by Amber Blaze, Derek Mund, and me, Michael Edwards. Hi, I'm Amber Blaze. Tour events take place live at venues around Denver, Colorado. Each night, a theme is chosen and three curated storytellers share their tales. In addition to the three chosen raconteurs, audience members have an opportunity to sign up and tell their own stories. All of these stories are told without any written notes, with each storyteller living in the moment with the audience. See the full schedule of upcoming raconteur events and listen to other episodes at raconteurdenver.com. This raconteur event took place at Carbon Beverage Cafe in Denver. Our topic this evening was first inebriation. Sam Pike is a storyteller and podcast host living in Denver, Colorado. Using audio, video, and written word, he explores what fuels creative ambition. He hopes his work will encourage others to live with greater creativity and a stronger sense of personal freedom. Let's hear about the very first time he was inebriated. So I was actually thinking... uh, the very first inebriation that was kind of instructive to my life was actually an inebriation with anger and kind of the discovery of this darker side of myself. Uh, it's something that happened over 20 years ago, and I think it's, uh, it still informs who I am today. So uh, I'm pretty stoked to come here and share it with you. Like any story, it needs some context. Uh, I am in my late 20s, so at the time of this story, I was about six or seven years old. I'm one of two sons of two very loving people who found each other when they were on their second round of adulthood. So they'd both been married and kind of had a life before they met each other and got married, which means that they, um, they were disillusioned with the dream. You know, like kind of they'd gotten it out of their system that you needed to make money and go and do something and be perfect. And so by the time they had me, they had no money, just went bankrupt and were living for their dreams, which sounds pretty uh, romantic and cool. And like, I definitely respect them for it, but it had some very real world consequences, such as we moved constantly from the time I was three years old until uh, the beginning of high school. We were all over the place. Uh, I stopped counting, but we lived, I was born in Colorado, in Northern Colorado. And we lived in Canada for a while. We lived in a couple different places in Washington State. And then we lived in different parts of Colorado and um, everywhere in between. And kind of like wherever there was family or something that sounded interesting. So that was fun. And I'm very grateful for it now. But as a little kid, I was, I was pretty bitter about it. I uh, was lonely. And... One town in particular, I got really sad. And this town was a small town, 45 minutes north of Seattle, Washington, a place called Muckleteo. Uh, it's now much bigger than it used to be, but I think when I was there, it was maybe around like 10,000 people or something like that. It's gorgeous. It has, it's right on the coast, and it has a main ferry dock that goes out to the different islands there. And there's cool ravines and... Everywhere you go, there's, there's sweet-ass plants, like 
thistles and, uh, or not thistles, but nettles, really cool flowers, these elaborate green forests that are in everybody's backyard. And, um, and so that was really cool, but I felt very much an outsider. It was a small town and that meant that everybody who I was friends with had not even left their house. Like they had grown up with the same family and friends all around them and they very much had a sense of place. Their parents had normal jobs, which meant that they, uh, they probably owned their house and it was, a, it was a wealthier community. And so I just felt a little uncomfortable in my own skin. Um, one of the ways that, that I started to work that out for myself and figure out like where I stood is I would create these very definite opinions about people. Like I either really loved you or I really thought you were a sack of shit and I would go out of my way to let you know. So two of the people that I formed very definite opinions about were the son and daughter of our landlord. This guy was not mean, he wasn't anything, he was just really hyper quirky. He cared a lot about the plants in his yard and he would drop by anytime, unannounced, like all the time. It, it, like, it would stress my parents out because they're like, at first I think they thought that he didn't trust them and then they just realized he's really weird and would always show up. And he came during a holiday party once just to check on the trees. Uh, and so I really resent, like I saw my parents get uptight about that and I started to resent that. What made it worse is sometimes he would bring his two kids and my brother and I were expected to play with them and, you know, like be friends. Instead, I spent my time trying to like figure out ways that I could get back at them for some perceived injustice that they had done to me. One of my favorites was I would make different concoctions and, and find ways to try and trick them into drinking it. It obviously never worked, but I, I thought it was a lot of fun to mix together moss and dirt and any trash that I found in the gutter uh, with water and stir it up and be like, oh yeah, this is totally gonna get them really sick. And for some reason they would never drink it. Um, they were too smart. So instead I would just take my toys and go into the other room and leave them there alone. And so all that's like pretty normal. Like you treat other kids not nice as you're growing up and that just happens. But it took a turn for the worse. I was, like I said, I was about six years old during this time, so I was in kindergarten. And kindergarten was only for half a day. And my mom got hired by our landlord to go clean their house because his wife uh, came down with a pretty intense illness. I, I'm not sure what it is, but she would be in the hospital for long stints at a time. And they just didn't really have the capacity to keep their house together while also spending all their free time at the hospital and having two little kids. So we would go over there and we would clean and I would just, I kind of viewed it as my time to uh, get a little payback. I was on their turf and so I would do really horrible things like take their toys out and put them in a different place. Um, one day we got to their house and my mom told me, this is gonna take a little longer. I wanna do a really good job. Their mom's coming home tomorrow and I want, it, I want them to feel great. And I was like, good for you, mom. This is my opportunity to be really mean. So in anticipation of their, their mom coming home, both of these kids had, had created just this really cool thing. Like it was basically an Easter egg hunt of love. And they had hid 
little gifts around the house. Like under the couch, there was a handwritten note that had a really cool picture and they'd folded it like origami. And then there was a little bit of uh, a small little craft that they'd folded in this creative way hidden behind the drapes. And, um, and then stuff just scattered all over. And I viewed it as my personal mission to go in and unwrap all these things and kind of leave them not ruined, but just crumpled and kind of tossed to the side. And I thought this was really like my time to be like, oh man, it's really going to make them sad one day, um, which is really mean. Uh, so my mom never noticed. I got away with it and we, we went home. I, I felt like mission accomplished. Cool. I showed these kids that you're not better than me because you're my landlord's kids or whatever I thought at the time. And, um, and, a, and a little while later, my mom pulled my brother and I aside. I was like, hey, um, you know, we might not be seeing our landlord for a little while. His wife actually came home because the illness had gotten to such a point that, uh, that she was going to die at home. And she died at home. And I just remember feeling at the time so, so sad. Um, I was already feeling alone in Washington. And then it was my mom who told me this news. And all I could think of was what it would be like to be alone, but then not have your mom there. And I was just totally devastated by that thought. And then I remembered what I'd done. And I had torn apart these kids' last gift to their mom. Like probably one of the last nice things that they'd gotten to do for her. And... I still never got in trouble for it. Nobody ever called me out on it. Uh, but I had so many sleepless nights where I would stay up awake and think about, whoa, I did that. And it was really a time of, so the action was this time of being drunk on kind of this, what I felt was self-righteous anger. But the hangover was so, so bad because it just ate away inside of me. And so finally, years later, I, I told my mom what I'd done and it felt like I was confessing murder. Um, it felt really good to get it out, but it did, like, it's, it's still, I think of it today because it was the first time that I realized I am capable of doing really horrible things. And I, it's so easy to look at, um, I mean, last week was a really bad week in the news cycle and it's so easy to look at those things and be like, oh, I would never do that. I could... Like, I wouldn't rise to that level of evil or whatever, but it's like, we, we all have that capacity. And um, to, to notice that from an early age and to really feel it and sit with it, uh, it was like the worst drunk feeling I've ever had. Because I think we can all experience that time of where like, I am so right right now, uh, you know, fuck you and fuck you because I... I'm on a crusade for what I think is the right way, but it's just not worth it. Uh, I don't want to get preachy, but I've just found that whenever uh, I, I'm kind of on that tirade, whether it's on social media or, uh, or in some personal view of mine, it's normally like what I would do in re retaliation, like when I would get drunk on that feeling of anger, uh, it's just a lot worse than, than what the actual thing was. So, I mean, that's the story I wanted to share with you. It was the first time that I found out that I could be a real dick. And um, 
I hope that we can all experience the opposite of that and a bit more empathy and mercy for each other. And uh, thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this story and live in Denver, join us at the Preservery on September 14th for our next Tour event with the topic of first adulting. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tour Denver. Here's a reminder to visit RacontourDenver.com where you can find upcoming events, speaker bios, podcasts, and more. This podcast was recorded and edited by Michael Edwards of Sunrise Robot. Visit sunriserobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture.